Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are for us. And if you are for us, who can be against us? And Lord, thank you for fresh grace today and fresh praise for who you are and what you have done and what you have planned. And we pray, Lord, that through Psalm 40, you would teach us to wait upon you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn in your Old Testaments to Psalm 40. We've only got time for the first five verses, particularly in the second service, as we'll be doing some other things like baptisms. But uh, I remember as a new believer, this was one of the first songs that I kind of learned, a worship song. I waited on, for the Lord on high, and he heard my cry. Um, but this is what the Word of God actually says. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. No one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, there would be too many to declare. Well, I want to tell you right now, I don't like to wait. And uh, I don't know many people that would say, oh, I love to wait. You know, it, just this week, I was in the grocery store, and you know where this is going. Uh, I was sent on an errand by the uh, boss of the house to pick up a few things at the uh, grocery store. And, uh, of course, when I had the things I needed, um, I picked the shortest line because I don't like to wait. And there in the shortest line, uh, the person ahead of me, and, and it was a, a, a guy who had about 18 different price checks and other and sundry things. And, and I promise you, I, had, I watched people that were far, you know, it's kind of like a race. You kind of see where the lines are and who's going and what. I saw people way behind me in the other lines leaving the store. I could have sworn some of them laughed at me when they walked out. Uh, maybe not, but I, did, I was just, you know, seething inside because I had to wait. I had to call a 1-800 number this week to get some help with something. That's a fearful thing because I had to go through about 20 prompts and I got it wrong and had to start all over. Evidently, I wasn't sure exactly what they all meant and which, which departments or what. It was a technical question, which is not my forte. And so uh, finally, I got to a human being and I said, okay, here's my problem. Can you help me? And uh, the guy said, no, we can't help you with that. But I'll get the manufacturer of this product on the telephone for you. Okay. So what do you think is going to happen there? We're going to go through all everything again, only to find out that their office hours had just been closed, um, and I'm still waiting on that answer. And so you can imagine how happy I was. Hey, look, those are trifling things to wait for, and I don't do so well with those, and I suspect some of you don't either, either but uh, there are a lot bigger things to wait on than that, and... Uh, it's more difficult very often to wait on those 
those more substantial things. You know, Psalm 40 shows us a couple of things. It shows us that we, we all struggle. David is in a miry pit. He's having to wait. It's very individual in that sense, but it got put in the hymn book. And that, the reason it got put in the hymn book is that is our common experience. And uh, Psalm 40 says we're going to struggle and we all are going to have to wait. Not everything in this life is quick. And certainly not everything is easy, right? We're going to have to wait. We're in a culture that's instant. We don't like to wait. It, the, the thing is, it's, it's how we wait that is important. You see, if, if we're just going to kick in gear and do whatever we can and pull all the levers and find the people to try to get what we want out of life on our own, it's not going to work. But, but if, we, if we wait on the Lord... Meaning, if we seek what he wants for our lives, now there is something strong and beautiful that David tells us a lot about. Uh, Not waiting on the Lord leads to discontentment and defeat. But waiting on the Lord leads to joy and peace and worship. Here's the sentence I'd like for us to look at today and maybe a home over lunch today you can pull this sentence out and and ask again, what, what does this mean in relation to Psalm 40? It simply is, waiting on the Lord leads to worship. Waiting on the Lord leads to worship. That is Psalm 40. The first thing here is this idea of, of the fact that we must wait and we need to wait on the Lord because everybody's waiting on something. Everybody in this sanctuary and everybody that'll be here at 1050, we're all waiting on something. Some people are waiting on a relationship to come into their lives. Uh, others are waiting for healing in, in a difficult relationship that they already have in their life. There are others who are waiting on a job. There are others who are waiting on financial, some kind of financial uh, peace and, and a, a little bit more feeling of security financially. Uh, others are waiting to be recognized for something in their lives. Others are waiting on children to have them. Others are waiting on children who've gone far from God. And they're having to wait. And it's very difficult. Uh, Some are waiting for a breakthrough in a situation where they feel oppressed in some way by a person and they can't change it and they're, they're having to wait. Uh, Other people are waiting for a breakthrough dealing with a kind of self-imposed oppression of of a besetting sin that just keeps dogging and and dragging down. And I ask you this morning, what is it that you're waiting on in your life? Uh, David is waiting in Psalm 40. David is going through something horrendous in Psalm 40. Now, we've only got two more psalms before we head to, ready, 2 Timothy is where we're going. In the fall, I'm really looking forward to it. But boy, the Psalms have taken us into deep places, have they not? Because it's always, almost always rooted in some kind of struggle in which there's some kind of a vehicle that the psalmist gives to help us see the glory and power of God and lead us to put our faith in God. Psalm 40 is just like that. We don't know what David's going through in Psalm 40. Maybe it's better we don't know. Maybe it's better that we don't know and we can kind of fill in the blank what our slimy pit is that we find ourselves in. David says, hey, I'm struggling. The struggle he calls a slimy pit, 
and he's having to wait. And uh, he's having to wait. He's stuck in that pit. He's having to wait a long time. Verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. And the Hebrew words there have this kind of repetition about the word waited. Waiting, I am waiting, kind of is what it kind of sounds like. Meaning, this took a long time. But you know, the great thing about waiting on the Lord is that it's not just marking time. And David's not just saying, I'm just kind of sitting here with my watch, you know, waiting for for something to happen. Um, The point here is that he believes even though he can't see. In other words, he's not just kind of waiting for whatever. He is waiting on the Lord, and he believes the Lord is sovereign. He believes the Lord really is in control of the situation, even though he is in the muck and the mire, and uh, he just can't see the answer. And, and basically, to wait on the Lord in your life means that you believe that God is bigger, that he's bigger than the situation. Uh, you believe that he cares. And, and biblical waiting in, in this, there is an inward sense of knowing that at the right time, God will answer, and he will move, and, and that we just need to have our faith and our trust. We need to rest in him and continue to walk with him and put our trust in him. But there is that latent sense of anticipation and knowing that God will work in the situation. I don't know what your pit is that you're in. I don't know what it is that you're waiting for, but we need to capture that sense of knowing that God is bigger and that he cares and that he's going to work. And in David's case, there is no quick answer to this. I mean, basically what David's saying is, I am in a slimy pit and I have had to persevere in faith. Now, that is something we don't really like to to broach in, in our instant culture is the notion of persevering in difficulty. But you know what? Persevering in difficulty is one of the primary ways that God is going to show us himself and he is going to grow us. If everything were instant, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to pause and ponder long enough to get it and to really see who God is when it really, really counts. John Calvin said this, He said, although God may not answer quickly, we must realize this is his design of suspense and perplexity. Don't you love that? That it's his design of suspense and perplexity. In other words, we're hanging on. We're not sure what it's all about. We must not, John Calvin goes on to say, we must not lose faith and courage because faith is not seriously tested except by endurance. In other words, we, that's the only way, really, that, that the primary way that faith is actually tested, and that is by endurance. Translated, don't know what your pit is, don't know what you're waiting on. Translated, God has a purpose in the pit. If you have Christ and have received the gift of what Christ has done for you on the cross obliterating the sin that keeps us from God and being brought by him into a a relationship with God by his work and not by our own. Uh, If you have that, uh, you need to understand God loves you even in the pit. Even if if you took yourself into the pit or whether somebody's oppressing you, it doesn't matter why you're in the pit. 
You need to understand that God loves you in the pit. And, and we need to understand that he does not always remove us quickly from the pit simply because he wants to teach us in the pit. And there's something we know in our bones when we're in the pit that we don't know instinctively any other time. And here it is. We can't help ourselves. And there's no human that can get us out of this. That is a profound insight. To, for to be at a place and, and, to be, and to be permitted to be there long enough to realize, I need God. And so I'm going to look up. And nobody else. I'm not going to look to anybody else. I'm going to wait upon the Lord. One scholar states, God has our attention in the pit. Slimy pits are some of the best classrooms for Christians. I hate that, don't you? (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) Though difficult, some of our best lessons are learned while our feet are in quicksand. And there's nobody to look to but God himself. If you're in the pit right now, will you look to God? And, And really, will we set our watches to God and his providence and will? Looking in faith or set our watches to our timetables for what needs to happen when we want it to happen? That's a big question in how we will deal with the struggles that we have before us. Verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. And then finally, let's look at these words. He turned to me and heard my cry. God did not answer for some time, but, but it's interesting. I, I cried out to the Lord. He heard me. And then at some point, we'll see that he, he brought David up out of the pit. But here's the interesting thing, is that though God had not answered, he had heard. You see, you may feel like God's not answering you, The prayer probably is, God, I need to get out of this pit right now. (laughs) I have learned everything I need to learn. Uh, I'm hitting the third floor button on this elevator out of the pit. I'm in the basement, and this elevator ain't moving. And uh, and you know what? We cry out to the Lord. David didn't say, I cried to the Lord, and and, and he didn't hear me. And finally, he heard me, and he answered me. What he says is, I cried out to the Lord, and he heard me. But specifically, it says, he turned to me. And he heard my cry. Literally, if you kind of look at that in the language, he bent down to me and put his ear to my mouth and heard the cries of my heart. Think how beautiful that is. I'm in pain. He bends down, puts his ear to my mouth, and hears the cries of my heart. You see, God is there while we wait on him. And life goes on. And we walk with God while we wait on him in reference to a particular situation. In other words, we don't just shut down and put everything on hold in our life. God is there, and he does hear us. I want to encourage you with that. If you're in the pit, cry out to the Lord. He will bend down. He will incline himself to you. He will bend down. He will put his ear to your mouth. And with his heart, he will hear the cries of your heart. And then finally, in verse 2, he lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. Finally, God answers this prayer. You know, when David speaks about the slimy pit, you know, you, you wonder uh, what he's talking about. David's not literally in a slimy pit. He's using a metaphor for what a really bad situation that you get stuck in, that you can't help yourself. And, 
You know, maybe he's thinking of Jeremiah 38. In Jeremiah 38, the king had Jeremiah thrown into a cistern. You know, a cistern's where they would keep water in. And cisterns and wells back in that culture had a little problem. And the problem would, was that there would be this, this growing layer of what we would call now silt, really fine mud that would, would over time grow in this, in this cistern or this pit. And so there was not a lot of water in the cistern or, or, or uh, he would have drowned, but there was mud in that cistern. And it was just, you ever been in mud where you put your foot down and you, you just can't quite get it back up? I mean, it just, it just has that quality of just sucking you down. That's what happened to Jeremiah. They decided to pull him out of the pit. Do you know how many men they sit, sent because he was so stuck in the in the mud, the pit, the mire of that cistern, they sent 30 men with a, with a rope, heave-ho, to pull the prophet Jeremiah so stuck in the mud out of that mud. So David's referring to something, and the very point is, I can't get out of this alone. I'm in a hard place. I'm here, I'm stuck. I'm in a slimy pit, and, 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 uh, and I can't get out alone. But there's something equally there's just something beautiful here. And, and when God answers, notice God didn't say, okay, here are the instructions to get out of the pit. I want you to go back to the scriptures. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. Folks, this is amazing. God comes down into the pit himself puts his arms around us he doesn't need 38 people on a rope yanks us up out of this mud and mire puts us on his shoulders and walks us up out of that pit himself god came down quote lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud and mire and and you know i just love this as a picture of the wonder of who jesus is I mean, that's, that's kind of where we are in our sin. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. We can't help ourselves. We're in a slimy pit of sin that we can't get out of. And so Jesus left heaven. He came down here. He came down into the pit, put us on his shoulders. Christianity is the only religion where God seeks you. It's certainly the only religion where God humiliates himself in the mud and slime of the pit of our sin, taking that slime and mud upon himself. And, you know, most religions you sacrifice to God, (laughs) he'll sacrifice for you. But God himself comes down into the pit. You know, this psalm is considered by many people to be a messianic psalm. And what a messianic psalm means is simply that, that it has a section that though David is speaking and unknowingly about this, it also, in a parallel way, reveals something about Jesus and who he would be. And we see this in verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. Here I am. I have come. It was written about me in the scrolls. In other words, Jesus isn't coming to prescribe an answer of a religious solution but to actually be the answer. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. You know, I kept running into this paragraph in in the the study for this sermon, and and I had to rewrite it a little bit. It's one of these kind of old-timer quaint sayings and almost a little too cute for its own good, so I rewrote it. 
Um, but one old timer said, he, he, he imagined, you know, us being in the pit of sin and different people walking by. This is really great. He said, the legalist walks by and he tells you why you're in the pit. And, uh, and, 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 and that's all he tells you. You know, you deserve to be in the pit. That's real helpful. The legalist. The religionist. And this, this guy's back in the, like the 30s. The religionist comes by. That is the works oriented, religion-oriented person. He comes by and, and is just telling you, telling you why you're in the pit. He tells you how he thinks you can get out and how you can avoid ever going back into the pit again. Well, it doesn't help either because anything he tells you isn't going to get you out of the pit. The Eastern mystic tells you to imagine there is no pit. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> imagine. <laughs> John, John Lennon, didn't he sing a song about that? There is no pit, no heaven, no hell, <laughs> no nothing. Um, the pessimist tells you that you, no one ever gets out of the pit. <laughs> the optimist tells you that he's seen worse pits than yours. <laughs> but Jesus doesn't tell you anything. He jumps down into the pit and takes you and puts you on his shoulders and lifts you up out of the pit, out of the mire and the mud. It's so personal. It's so caring. It's so loving. It's so actual. It is so God's grace. It is so where you are and why you can wait if you know Christ this morning. He still comes down. You know, uh, believers get into the pit. It's, it's not just people that we get into the pit, don't we? And the Lord does allow us to stay there for a while, and, and we do learn. But, but I want to encourage you that, that Jesus comes down into the pit also for, for his believers as well. But look at verse 2. He didn't just lift me out of the pit. He set my feet on a rock. Gave me a firm place to stand. The word here literally refers to a high rock or a cliff. The idea is God not only came down and took me out of the, the, the mud that I couldn't get out of. He took, me so, he took me as far from that mud. He put me in a place that I would not be in any danger of being uh, in the slime again. It speaks of a place of safety high above the, the pit and the mud. And so the question I want to ask you is this. How will you wait? Every one of you are waiting on something. Every one of you are wrestling with something in your life. Every one of you wants something or you think you want something. And, it, and it's very important to you. Whether God wants it or not, I cannot answer. Waiting on the Lord has to do with His will and His time. But how will you wait? Who will you look to in the pit? Waiting on the Lord, secondly, leads to worship. There's a transforming dimension of what happens to us when we wait on the Lord and the Lord brings us out. Look at verse 3. He not only took me out of the pit, he not only put me on a rock, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Isn't that beautiful? There's something happening here in the heart of David. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to other people does not look to the proud, does not look to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you plan for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, there would be too many to declare. 
It's fascinating, isn't it? You look at, at uh, Isaiah 40, 1 through 5, and then if you go on to look at the rest of the psalm, what you're going to find is, is though it's all rooted in the waiting and the pit and, and God's redemption out of that, so little amount of time is actually spent on the pit. The vast majority of the time is spent on God. I think that's important because I think in, in our even our modern culture, we want what we call authenticity. That's right. No, in other words, we don't want to pretend like we're never in a pit. Last thing we want anybody to think is that we ever struggle. You know, we're Christians, so we're moving from strength, bounding from strength to strength. We know that's not the way it is. We know that if you are a Christian, you spend, do your time in the pit. But sometimes we take it too far. Sometimes we, 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 we describe the pit so much and we barely touch on God. It's almost like we want pity. Pity. <laughs> I just thought about that. Good, good play on words. A pity party. David calls it what it is. It's a pit. It's mud. It's mire. You can't get out of it. But what he goes on and on about isn't the pit. It's the Lord. Look at verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Those who wait on the Lord... Waiting on the Lord leads to worship. Uh, what, this, what this is, 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 is God is saying literally, God put, and I love this word, fresh praise in the mouth of David. Now I want you to think about the word fresh praise. A new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to my God. If you can put that together and call that fresh praise. You know why that's great? It's because there's fresh deliverance. That, this, that generated this fresh praise, that God has moved, that we're not only convinced that God is who he is, we are waited on the Lord, the Lord has himself gone into the pit, lifted us out, and so we have this fresh praise to the Lord. And I want to ask you um, what the pit is, or pits plural, that you are in. And I want, I want you to think about, are you getting the bigger picture here? about what David is saying about God. Remember we started the service by saying God is with us is only as meaningful as your definition of who God is and who he really is. Um, Be encouraged that whatever pit you're in, whatever you're waiting for, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, regardless of how you got there, God's still sovereign and gracious and God has a purpose for you in the pit. I want you to know that. Um... And if you wait on the Lord, he will grow you there. And you're going to benefit. And he will, at his right time, lift you out of the mud and the mire. And he will set your feet on the rock. And he will put fresh praise in your mouth for him. And then look at verse 3 again. It's so interesting that not only am I transformed to have this fresh praise for this this sovereign and gracious God, but, but basically David says others are going to be impacted by the way you trusted God in the pit and by the deliverance of God that they saw. Look at verse 3. Many will see and fear. Isn't that an interesting verse? Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. What does that mean? Some people think that means that, like, you know, like fear is like a um, fear of, of judgment or something like, you don't mess with the Lord's people. 
God will strike you dead, or something like that. That's really not quite what's being said here. The word fear here has the sense of awe. What it's saying is, is, is people will watch ordinary believers refuse to put their trust in people or in false gods. Or maybe they did and then they repented of that. And, but they'll see them put their trust in the Lord. They'll see the Lord's power. They'll see the Lord's glory in what God does in their life. And a sense of awe will be awakened in the people that see this. Uh, I am fascinated by this. And, and others will put their trust. They'll say, you know what? That's what I need to do. I need to quit trusting in myself or I need to quit trust. I need to not go to the bookstore and try to find some one, two, three easy answer in some new book to my issue. I need to wait patiently on the Lord, put my trust, wait on him. And uh, because I saw that guy, that gal do that and I saw what the Lord did and and this is so fascinating to me and here's the reason why it's it's interesting I keep telling y'all I'm 48 years old (laughs) because you know you get about 48 years old or 40 something and you start thinking about life that's real I mean I'm glad I don't have a gold chain and a Porsche but I have been thinking about life okay and uh and you young you young people you so will you one day um I'm just old enough to see the way people's stories are turning out. And some of the hottest, coolest, flashiest, know all the answers, Reverend Wonderfuls, they're not around anymore. And some of the people who just never had problems and always were able to skate through life and always had resources here and there to make it through. They didn't make it through. They're absolutely broken. It's fascinating. And and I have seen, dear flock, the simple, faithful believers, just those ordinary kind, that just walk one foot after another with a God of grace by faith And the strength of that. And the growing strength of that. And the rescue. And 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 frankly, the sense of awe in that. I've seen so many things end differently than they started. Have you? And yet, man, we, we, we said, this is the answer. Oh, that's so cool. That's what you do. You just hadn't seen it play out over time. It's called the pit for a reason. You can't get out by yourself or with the help of anybody but God. Those who simply walk with faith. You know, not all that seems great is great. David says, those who wait on the Lord, and I want you to look at verse 4, who have turned away from their own power or anybody else, or anybody else's power to say, who have waited and seen the power of God, those are filled with joy. Look at verse 4. Blessed, happy it means, filled with joy. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, who does not turn aside to false gods. In other words, he refuses, she refuses to say, any of that can take me out of the pit. Verse 5, many, O Lord my God, 
are the wonders that you have done. And I love this. The things you planned for us are so many that no one can recount them to you. Were I to speak and tell them, they would be too many to declare. Dear people, as simple and as humble as this is, this is the way to live. It's the way I want to live. You know, I'm the guy that gets <clears throat> impatient in the, in the checkout line. So I'm not telling you it's the way I always initially treat the pits. You know, Bob Brunson and Geneva put me in a pit. <laughs> How, are we going to wait on the Lord? Yes, we're going to wait on the Lord, but I'm upset, you know. Um, yeah. Because you know what? David basically says, if you just live this way, there's so much to praise him for. And not only is there so much to praise him for, there are so many things that he has planned for us that we can't count them. Isn't that beautiful? To go with anyone else is foolish. To put our trust in anybody but God, which we struggle with, have to repent, but it is foolish. See, all he has planned for us is beyond counting, and all he has done for us is, is just worthy of worship. And the bottom line is, you can't have that life, and I can't have that life, if you and I do not wait upon the Lord. If you look to the proud, if you look to false gods, you can't have it, and it will break you, and time will show the absolute weakness of the structure of that thing, and it will crumble and crash. I want to end by reading from Isaiah 40, and then we'll just sing of the Lord's grace as we go out of worship today. Isaiah 40, verse 29 and following. Do you not know? See, it's about how big God is in reference to your pit. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow weary and tired. Even young men stumble and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Wait upon the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, would you turn our hearts away from the proud, including ourselves, sweetly, humbly, believingly to you, to you and your greatness, to you and your grace, you who came into the pit, took upon our very mire and muck of our sin, you who have lifted us out by your own strength, just because you love us. We worship you. 
Lord, give us that waiting. Give these dear people in your own time that deliverance. And Lord, give your people fresh praise and awe all around. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.